Fast Forward Productions. The women are speaking. We're basically in the relationship equivalent of like doomsday preppers. We're just like, you know, <laughs> what we're I mean? gonna make it. I know we're so prepared. We have our basement is stocked. Like I love her, I but I do want to kick her in the knee when she's not looking. There are people out there who like live like these perfect, have these perfect relationships and they never fight, but. I don't think there are very many of them. I don't think they, they are there at all. I think if people aren't fighting, then they just aren't spending very much time together. Agreed. I am Alex Parker. This is the Afternoon Snack Podcast, part two of the lovey-dovey Valentine's Day special. In this podcast, Meredith and Alex, Alex myself, speaking in third person, wow. talk about more realism in our relationship. We answer questions received from our audience about our relationship, how we have managed being very competitive with each other, how we balance our work and business relationship, and what we hate most about each other. What we hate most about each other. (laughs) That's about it. So enjoy. Part two. Here we go. Because one podcast talking about fighting wasn't enough. We're going to do another one. Actually, this one's not as much about fighting. We posted an Ask Me Anything for the part one of the, the Valentine's Day episode and got some really great questions that we don't necessarily have the answers to, but they are phenomenal talking points. So we're going to do a little bit of that today. We hope you like it. I bet you're wondering after part one, like how the hell are have you they not started a podcast on together? giving relationship advice yeah, oh that's that's not what you were thinking <laughs> that is not it that's not it no i think they're probably wondering how we're still together <laughs> hey okay i okay in our defense i honestly think it's kind of like that kid that's like never has a problem they're just like that perfect kid and like that's the kid that's gonna blow yeah. Those are, I feel like that's the same with relationships. The one who's like perfect attendance, at like K through 12. And you're like, dude, you are in for it. <laughs> Something is going to happen to you. Yeah. What's that saying? Prepare for your worst day so that you're prepared for when it comes. I have never heard that saying. <laughs> it's not that. It's like. Expect the best. Prepare for the worst. Prepare for the worst. Something prepare for the worst. Yeah. It's something like. Yeah. Anyways, we're, we're basically we're pre- in the relationship equivalent of like doomsday preppers we're just like you know <laughs> but what we're I mean? gonna make it i know we're so prepared we have our basement is stocked full of canned meat and vegetables we have fire starter we have weapons we have what else do preppers have what else do they do i don't know water feminine hygiene products yeah that need that you remember that that part of the like the nasa there was a female astronaut and they sent her She was only going to be, I think, in orbit or in space for like 30 days. And they sent up some like absolutely asinine number of tampons. I don't. These are literal rocket scientists. It was like 180 tampons (laughs) for like 30 days. She's not going (laughs) to. What do you think? We're rich. Like, how would anyone afford that? Anyways, like we said in part one, I guess we must love each other a lot. We do. We do. 
we are very different. So it just presents some unique challenges. But like I also see people and I hear about them in a relationship where they just sort of like merge with their dysfunction and they don't really get curious with it or try to figure it out. And so you're like, oh, you guys are just kind of dysfunctional and you don't even care. Figure it out. Yeah. Our shit is on the surface. Yeah. And like we're really airing it out here for you guys. So if, if you're like listen to part one and you're a little traumatized, just like that's all of it for us. That's like everything on the table. Well, whenever it's kind of like when we do go to therapy, I'm always have to, I always have to say like, cause you go in with your problems. Like that's usually what you start with. Yeah. But often I'm like, cause you start talking and you're like, oh my goodness, I, I'm making this out to be like this horrible thing. And I almost always say, but most of the time our relationship is 10 out of 10. Yeah. Like it is amazing. I love being around you almost all the time. Yeah. I even like being around you when we are in conflict. It's just these little things that we just don't have the skills yet for. Yeah, for sure. So that's that's all to say we have a great relationship. It's a work in progress. And I think that makes it even better. And it's going to make us stronger. What doesn't kill you makes it stronger. That is a saying. That's a saying. That is one. Yeah, I think. You nailed that. I'm sure people are listening being like, keep telling yourself that, Alex. Okie dokie. <laughs> you got it there, buddy. <laughs> no, I, uh, yeah, I think there's a deep need to kind of understand ourselves and get curious with our dysfunction because let's be realistic, we are dysfunctional so that we can love each other better. And that should be the, I think, the overarching goal. Because if you don't give a shit, like why would anyone go through this? It's like, it's a lot. It's a lot of work being in a marriage. Well, it's just like anything. There's going to be ups and downs. You can't give up when things get tough. When the going gets tough, the tough get going. I think, you know, I think people probably know when it's not like it's you're better off not in the relationship. Obviously, I have never really been there in a long term relationship where I'm like, okay, this is probably isn't right. Yeah. But I imagine the person knows when it's like, okay, I'm throwing in the towel. Yeah. And we are like, not even that's not us. Like, what's your love language? I would probably say, what are the five? So it's gift giving. Gift giving, quality time, words of affirmation, physical touch, and I think there might be only before. No, there's another uh, one. Shoot. Okay. You know what? I'm just gonna look it up. Love languages. I have a few. I kind of think this is an overly simplistic. Isn't everything? Yeah, but we have acts of service, quality time, words of affirmation, receiving gifts, physical touch. So I would say words of affirmation and quality time are the bit two big ones for me. Yeah. And then the, the other three are like <laughs> secondary. Yeah. I would say actually physical touch, acts of service are secondary and then tertiary are gifts. Yes. I'm not really like a big gift person. I would say that mine are quality time, acts of service. Those are probably my two. And then like if we're talking about like self-love, I would say that my love language is receiving gifts. So I think it is important to practice self-love. So when I, but yeah, I mean, that's for me receiving gifts. Yeah, you do. You do give yourself a lot of gifts. I do. I do do that. But what would you say is your self-love language? I had quality time. (laughs) But like also quality time with me. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Just like doing what I want to do with my time. I don't really put up with things I don't enjoy doing. So I'd say that. Oh, that's 100%. That's true. <laughs> Everybody, if you've spent like any amount of time around Alex when she happens to be doing something that she doesn't yeah, want to do. Yeah, I'm like, I'm done here. It's like, there's no facade. Things get brutal when it's like, I'm done here, but I can't get out of the situation. Yeah. Do you remember we went on that hike yeah. with Kelly and Rich and Rue and I told you it was a six kilometer hike. No, but it was said really three. 
Oh, you're totally right. And it ended up being seven. Yeah, because it was three. I said three, but that was one way. Yeah. And then it ended up being like three plus. And a so when bit we got to that. three, I was like, we're still heading in the opposite direction of home. Yeah. And that's when I was like, I'm done here. Yeah. And I was done mentally. Physically, I wasn't. I couldn't be. Yeah. And unfortunately, I was around three dogs and three other yeah. people. And I had to be, the, I had to tell Kelly, I was like, she just like, she gets like, <laughs> just don't look at her <laughs> don't make eye contact it's very important everyone handled themselves really well because it's not like I like lash out I just get really quiet yes. and so but that makes it just uncomfortable for everyone which yeah. I do recognize yeah but not you don't recognize it enough to like realize like this is a situation that I'm in I, I can't know. do anything about it I'm gonna like move past this and take my frustration out on Meredith later for giving me the wrong distance. Yeah. But what I am careful of now is making sure I don't put myself in those situations. You say that. And then you find yourself in it those situations. It does happen. Sometimes they're unavoidable. Yeah. But I feel that too. It's like you just, you kind of, you do as much as you can to understand the situation that you're getting yourself into. And yet some you just find, you're like, God damn it. How did this happen? Yeah. And it's because you just like, there are sometimes details fall through the cracks. I think, I think where I get into trouble is when I think Meredith knows me well enough that I can trust her on this one. And then I discover I can never trust Meredith on this one. <laughs> no, no. Always do your own research. Yeah. 100%. But see, that's the, I think sometimes I forget that I am a bit more spontaneous and like a fly by the seat of your pants person. And I'm okay with that. Yeah. And I do legitimately forget that I am with a person and involving a person who is like not okay to always just like go with the flow. Yeah. And so it's hard when I'm like, why don't we just go with the flow? And I understand that's like a really big ask. I am very possessive with my time. Yeah. Let's put it that way. For sure. So anyways, getting into this, we're going to talk about some, some old dynamics in our relationship. We're going to talk about some business stuff and, you know, friendships, daily dynamics, that, that kind of thing. But we are in, I would say, several different relationships because we are married. We are business owners who share working space and living space. We have historically been competitive athletes who compete in the same sport, do similar hobbies, so there's like a, there's more than just a, like a relationship dynamic, like a cut and dry, like we're just married and we both do our own things. Like we do everything together. So that's heavy. <laughs> I know. Let's go back to the, the beginning though. So when we met, we were both doing competitive CrossFit and competing at a really high level, like not dating and tying for first and second on the class whiteboard, like competing for spots at the games. So I guess let's talk about that dynamic and how it's evolved over time. Oh man. I feel like I'm just like throwing myself under the bus here. I struggled. I think my insecurity came out a little bit when you moved here. Like it was fine at first. It was fun. And like new relationships are so exciting. And I think you're kind of blinded by love. And then like things kind of started to get real when you got here. We were competing against each other. Like, you know, you were, I was kind of the big fish in small pond, like Western Canada. I was kind of like one of the best. And you moved here and you were kind of like the new big fish and you were better than me. Yeah. Like you were better than me at CrossFit, not by a lot, but like you would beat me in most workouts and like historically placed better than me. Mm -hmm. Like I had been to the games you hadn't, but that wasn't indicative of like who was actually better at CrossFit. And I think I was just, I felt very threatened. A lot of 
your new sponsors were my sponsors. Like I struggled with that. I just, I felt like there was this like scarcity mindset. Like there's not enough space for both of us. Is it scarcity or scarcity? I don't know. But basically we were, I felt like I was in competition with you. Like if I yeah, have just, something, didn't, and you, you were, and you were it. like, well, we can do this together. We're together. We're stronger. And I didn't see it like that. Like yeah. I would get mad when you would have a good day at the gym. And part of it was like, I was working articling. So I felt like, you know, you had a more like conducive life to training. I was struggling. Like there was a lot of things going on, but that's, I will admit I struggled. Yeah. I didn't struggle as much. <laughs> Again, this kind of goes back to the like attachment styles and just being a more secure person and at times overconfident or just generally not lacking any confidence with the things that I do. And, but again, like how much of that was because I came in and it was just like, I was better and I didn't really have to worry about you beating me because you weren't. I don't know if it had been the opposite, if that would have changed things for me. But as it was, like I, I wasn't, I was competitive with you, but in a, like in a positive, like, oh, I'm glad she's here because it pushes me kind of way. Mm -hmm. And it was like a good thing. That was, I would say, remained the case. I had some like emotions when I had qualified for the games and during training and preparation for that. But that wasn't like a competitiveness issue. I think that was more just me being nervous and injured and feeling like I wasn't as prepared as I wanted to be. But yeah, after that, again, like haven't really gotten back into the competitiveness thing. And I think even when we had switched to running, that's something that you were a little bit better than me at, even at the half marathon distance. I never felt like, I think I had, I was so tired from competing just generally with everyone, like just being a competitive athlete that I just, I don't really have that in me anymore. Like I'm still competitive in that I'm like driven and I do like beating people in workouts or I do like doing well, but there's no, like, there's nothing toxic to it. And there never really has been for me. I've always used competitive rivalries or like comparisons or friendships or use people who I compete with as like a, a target as like a positive influence, but I was never like salty when I would lose a workout really. It was just like, oh, okay, that's okay. I'll just try harder next time. Or that wasn't necessarily my workout. But I think like a couple of people asked that question, like how do we deal with with competitiveness in the relationship. And I think there's not to throw you under the bus here. You threw yourself under the bus. Yeah. I'm just going to hold you under the bus now. There's something just really drag me along the road. <laughs> I'm just now ragdolling along the road. All my clothes have ripped off. I'm just, just completely limp. <laughs> yeah. The, there's a childishness to that type of competitiveness. Like the, it's very juvenile, but it is also when you think about if you're an insecure person or you lack a sense of self, and you have historically identified with being an elite athlete or someone who's the best. Yeah. If someone comes in and they're stepping all over your toes or they're beating you, what, how are you going to feel? Right. Like you're going to, it was conflicting because it was that, but I'm like, Oh, but I also love this person. Like I was still like very much like obsessed with you at that point too. Yeah. It was really hard. Like I love her. I, but I do want to kick her in the knee when she's not looking. <laughs> yeah. I don't like it when she's it. I don't like it when she's having success. I don't like it when she's happy. Like to, to, to think of that of somebody that you love yeah. isn't a good feeling. No. Yeah. And it's like, how do you I, like, but I'm also, I am so competitive. Yeah. Like to the point where it is a bit immature. Mm -hmm. I like, and I, I just think that that mix of like being competitive with my partner, the person that I was falling in love with was just, 
probably one of the worst case scenarios for me. <laughs> but also you're like, you're looking at this person and be like, well, I don't want to fall in love with someone who isn't that person mm-hmm. and who doesn't have this set of qualities and isn't like, there's something that is valuable and enticing and attractive about someone who's like, an, who is an elite athlete and works hard and yeah, you know, wears that and, you know, lives that lifestyle. Like I, I mean, that was it. part of the, mm-hmm. what attracted it, me to you. That's oh, so complicated. It was very complicated. Yeah. It was very difficult. I um, think, but once Meredith was kind of done with CrossFit and even going to the games, like I was your support. And I think once that happened, I was like, okay, this is the situation. Like I just have to do it. There's like a resignation to mm-hmm. it. And then you genuinely want to support the person. Yeah. And it's not like I had to force myself to be yeah. a supportive. I was always supportive. It was just like the conflict. There was that conflicting feeling. So once that like you resign to the fact that like, okay, you're, she's going to the games, you're not, this is still like a good thing for you as a, I almost had to reframe it. And again, like this sounds so selfish and self-absorbed, but I almost had to be like, this makes us better. Like I benefit from this as well Mm -hmm. by not only seeing my person happy, but being part of it, having an experience with her and that sort of thing. So it took some like reframing. It took a lot of like, it's okay. And it honestly, like you said it from the beginning, like, don't, we're in this together. We're not against each other. Yeah. I mean, from the start. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of see the chessboard and I'm like, we're a really unique couple. Like there's a power dynamic here. We're both high achieving. Like it was never to have clout or get like gain gain credibility or get attention. But I was like, we're going to get attention just for being who we are in this space. So we may as well use that to turn it into something good and productive. And like we did, if I had not moved to Canada, done what I had done, if you hadn't supported me, if I hadn't qualified for the games, like who knows if like we would even have this business. And again, I didn't have that in mind when I set out to do it. But if there is an opportunity that presents itself as a result of what we are doing, I'm taking that opportunity. I will say in my defense, it's not like you didn't struggle with opportunities that I was getting because remember when I went on the demo team, that was hard for you. Yeah, that was also hard because my sister was competing at the games. So that was just like a, that was a pretty weird year for me. It wasn't necessarily like I wish that I was on demo team because I'm like, no one even knows who I am. Or like, I wish that I was competing instead of my sister. It was like, genuinely, I thought that 2017 was a, like, I had just seen that year playing out really differently for me. Yeah. And I it guess. was like, a, I wish I was. It wasn't necessarily jealousy. No. It was, it was like disappointment in the situation. Sadness. And then you also, for some reason, wanted nothing to do with me at the games, but probably because I was just sad and you didn't want to yeah. be around that. Yeah. So there's like the thing, and this is like the people who ask these, I don't have any idea who the people are who ask these questions, but it's like obviously this is a struggle with other people in their relationships. And I don't know if it's same sex, heterosexual couple. I don't know at what level they're doing CrossFit, but I've heard of this even in like class settings. Like you get so competitive with the person that you're with that it like starts impacting your relationship. And it's like the thing that you do for fun, which that's CrossFit for 99.9% of the people who do it, you're doing it for fun. Maybe you compete a little here and there. That should not impact your relationship. Like your relationship is more important than who wins the workout. Mm -hmm. And if it does, like someone, one or both people need to check their ego. Mm -hmm. And like you had an ego problem, like Mm -hmm. that was egotistical. And it's not like I don't have ego problems from time to time, but that's what that is. Like they're not seeing the bigger picture. 
they're 10 years down the road when you don't do CrossFit anymore, you're going to look back at the strife that it causes in your day-to-day life and be like, well, that was sure silly. It's just not worth it. And I don't know, like we're not the only two elite athletes or once elite athlete for me who like dated each other and probably dealt with even cross sport athletes, even athletes who compete in different sports. There's probably some comparison, comparison, you know, one person gets a certain set of experiences or has more success with endorsements and sponsors than the other generally a little more successful. Like I'm sure that that is somewhat common and you have to make a decision. Does your relationship come first or does your own like personal satisfaction come first? So guys, like, do you ever feel that what you used to feel anymore? No, to be honest, I don't like we're so together against the world kind of thing. I mean, we compete. We don't I mean, it's very rare that we even compete. You know, even when you you used to get opportunities presented to you, I would get a little competitive. I was like, why didn't I get that? You know, why didn't I get asked to write for Morning Chalk Up? Or, you know, it's like, but it doesn't matter because like the fact is one of us is. Yeah. Somebody is representing the business. Somebody is representing us. Like it doesn't need to be me. And, and that's been there's, my... And like Meredith is a really good writer. Like, of course she got asked. Like, I just, I feel like I have a better gauge on my reactions and like what's actually logical. Mm. I can catch myself a little bit sooner. Even if like initially I'm like, oh. You tap into your wise mind. Yeah. In CrossFit, I think the fact that I have running and I'm excelling at that in my own way helps. The other day we competed against each other in a workout and you beat me and I was kind of like, oh. But that's about it. It's just like, oh. Yeah. It just doesn't, because it doesn't matter. Yeah. I think that's a big one as it isn't like, there's not a lot of skin in the game with CrossFit anymore. And even if there were, I think like we're just older and like wiser (laughs) a little bit. Yeah. Like I, there's still part of me that cares, but it's like, yeah, it was fun. I'd rather have like gone and lost than, you know, not have, and I'm not going to like impact the experience by being salty about not winning. Like that's just, Again, it's like we're not fighting for names on the whiteboard here. It's like right. I just don't care enough. So no, I think the answer to that is no. I'm not. I'm not competitive with you. I think we're like it. We formed a team. Yeah, we feel the same. I have felt that way for quite a, a long time. But yeah, it hasn't changed for me. It's not like when you go out and run an 88 minute half marathon. Even though I did have a goal of running a sub 90 before I injured my foot, it's not like a hater. You know, that just, that's never how I was like, yeah, that's so awesome. I love her so much. Yeah. I like, I get giddy when I see you running up to the, like the finish line or wherever I'm standing. It's not like trip and fall, you know, there's nothing like that. Like the other day you did, you deadlifted 325. Yeah. And normally I'd kind of be like, oh, she's way stronger than me. Like, I can't do that. I wish I could do that. Like, and this is so, I'm so proud to say that makes me really happy for you. Mm. And there's no part of me that wishes like, I'm like, I'm, ha- I'm genuinely happy for her. I'm doing my thing. Yeah. And I think we've talked about this on the podcast, like just a shift in mindset around training and yeah. perspective has, has helped. Massive difference. Yeah. Yeah. How do we balance individual fitness goals and in our time together? That's a good question. I think for me, like my fitness right now doesn't take up as much time as yours. You're just training more and you're, you have the longer runs with marathon prep. But honestly, like we spend so much, it's not like we're working at an office nine to five. And then, you know, the other one person has to stay out for two hours to do a run or go do a workout. Like we spend so much time together already during the day that if you have to go and run for two hours or I go swim or do whatever, we disappear to do our individual fitness. Like, it's not like, I wish she wasn't running so that she could spend more time with me. Like that's just generally not something that we have to really work through. 
Yeah. I think where it gets tricky is when we have like other extracurriculars like skiing. Yeah. And I'm like, oh crap. I have like, you know, a workout to do. I have my two hour long run. Yeah. I mean, we need to go skiing. And I'm like, oh gosh, well, like, like, am I going to fit this all is, in? Like, the things that we do together tend to be on the active side. Yeah. So it just ends up being a lot. But like from a time commitment standpoint, we usually make it work. Yeah. Someone asked if we have any issues like refraining from coaching one another. I was like thinking about that question. I think that is kind of common in relationships when people exercise or compete or work out together. Maybe it's like more common in like, like heterosexual relationships where like coaching kind of invites a bit of a like power dynamic. There's the coach, there's the expert who knows what they're doing. And then there's the person who doesn't. Yeah. I think we're just, we're so equal, like on equal playing fields that any coaching is like actually receptive or we're pretty respectful. I would say like, do you want help? Yeah. We usually ask like, Oh, I saw you. Do you want me to, do you want help with that? Like I saw you do something. I think from like a men, like if you're struggling mentally or having a tough day and you like giving yourself great, like grace, instead of me being like, do you need to give yourself some grace? It's kind of like, what would you tell your clients? Like, right. You know, that sort of thing. Yeah. That's pretty rare, but yeah, I don't think we really coach each other. No, just kind of support, support each other. So from a, like a business standpoint, I would say aside from our marriage and our relationship, the most important relationship that we have is our business relationship because that's what provides for the life that we get to live. And it's, it's what we do eight to 10 hours every single day together. I would say this is probably the number one source of like friction, not in like a negative way, but just in a way where you're like, Oh, I see that either I put boundaries in place and I'm violating those, or I should put boundaries in place to separate business and personal relationship. Like I'd say there's a lot of overlap there, but then I would also say like, we both really love what we do. And so I don't (laughs) always feel a strong urge to separate them. I remember listening to a podcast a long time ago, or what, maybe last year sometime with Miranda and Julian with street parking. And, you know, she kind of said, and it validated a lot of my feelings, which is like, we work all the time because we love our business and we love what we do. Like we'll be standing in the kitchen cooking dinner and talking about work. You know, when we're in the shower, we're talking about work. Sometimes we're laying in bed talking about work and that's, that's pretty common. I see a need potentially for a boundary there, but I don't always want a boundary there. Yeah. I think if anything, and we've been kind of good at being more aware of this is some of the negative stuff at work, like issues that is not something that we want to be talking about in bed. Like anything that riles us up. Yeah. But like we try to avoid and kind of keep that to like a working hours or like, let's talk about this on the drive. Let's like table this for now. Like we try to kind of put that stuff in containers. Yeah. But the actual, like the ideas, the discussion. If there's like excitement over something, like there's, I think we both have a strong urge to like, to work through certain things mentally, to firm up ideas, to feel good and to like, feel like we're, we're making progress and pushing forward. And like, frankly, a lot of that is because we, our days are quite flexible. And if we're like, if you get to put a two hour run or workout in the middle of your day, like you're just going to be working at different hours. Mm -hmm. Like there's going to be some overlap, but as far as like not letting business in the bedroom, I don't know. I don't think we, I don't think we do a very good job. We don't let bullshit in the bedroom. Yeah, That's the, I guess that's the boundary is no, no business bullshit in the bedroom, but definitely business 
is yeah. in every room of our house. Really, it should just pay for this house. Yeah. How do we settle business decisions when we have disagreements about them? I think we are actually really good at talking through <laughs> business disagreements. It's like, it's crazy how good we are at that yeah. compared to like, like interpersonal. What do we even argue about? Yeah. We just talk through them and find the best solution. Yeah. It's a lot of like, I think this is going to be the best decision because of this, this, this. Yeah. I would say the, the biggest decisions for us are where we spend our money with the business. So like outsourcing is kind oh, yeah. of like the new thing. Delegating. Delegation, like hiring people to do things. Like our website redesign, which has been up for over, has it been a year? Yeah, over a year now. That was a pretty significant, like the rebranding was a significant investment. And there was a lot of back and forth on that one. But ultimately, I made the case for, yeah, switching to Shopify and, you know, redoing the brand in a better way. And like, it's been awesome. It, yeah. It was great. And then, yeah, I think like equipment, buying equipment, camera equipment, mm -hmm. that kind of thing is a sticky point for us. And even for me, I think as much as I love technology and I want it all, you know, I'm looking at this camera that I want and I'm like, well, it's you know, it's like three grand and I can't, even I have trouble justifying that. Cause I'm like, well, what we have now is really good and it's working for us. So like, why do I need to, why do I need that? And so, but that's, that can be a lot of our conversation around business decisions is where. Yeah. Never escalates though. No. The only thing I think that escalates is when work gets thrown in like, yeah, like, oh, well we don't take time away from work. It gets thrown into an interpersonal uh, thing. Yeah. That's, that's really common. I but think it's not an actual business. It's not about the business. It's about the work-life balance. Yeah. When we're in a, a argument that has probably started for a different reason, it can get pulled in as, well, all we do is work. Like we never get to spend actual quality time together. Mm -hmm. When really, when you pull back and like actually look at our life, we do spend a lot of quality time together. Yeah. And that quality time can and does often include work. But yeah, I guess we just kind of talk. It yeah, we're like really good business partners. We are. I think too, over time, we've just, we've each found our strengths in the business. And so when something comes up, we just, we do trust the other person and can defer to them. Yeah. And I think that's probably what has made us more effective. Sometimes we have to ask Lindsay what she would do and that can help. Yeah, she's a, third, a, great a third party who's uh, smart and reasonable kind of help us through things as well. But yes. it's not she's not like the mediator at, at any point. She no. just offers her opinion and it can be helpful. A tie break. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I think that delegation, like doing your superpower. Someone said that recently. Mm -hmm. you should do that when you are working or own a business. Just delegate whatever you need to so you can do that. Are we ever not working? Not really. Although we are trying to get better about that on the weekends. Yeah. Actually, like having a day where we don't do any work, but it's hard. Like you, like really you have to do email every single day at a minimum. I always try to do one to two hours in the morning to try to clear out. I find that's okay. It's like when you start doing work in the evenings or like, you know, yeah. when the other person's like, Hey, we're going to go skiing. Right. And you're like, one sec, I'm just going to do an email. Yeah. Like or like, do you want to record later? a video right now? And it's like, not really like yeah. we're in the hot tub. Like, you know, kind of, For it sure. is, it is hard, but it's also like, it's tough because whatever you don't do on one day just gets pushed to the next. Yeah. So like, no... it's, it's not like you can just like not do something. No. Not, so that's not been tricky to balance. But I remember there was a time when we would work. It was like the weekend days were just the weekend days, the weekdays. Yeah. There was no like break. Nope. I think at that time we were like, okay, this can't be the case. No, this isn't working for us. Like we need to take time away and do other things like we, but back then we weren't doing anything extracurricular. 
I think part of it was we were still doing CrossFit. So it's like gym and work. And it was COVID. Like you also have COVID. Yeah. And like you couldn't do anything. <laughs> mm-hmm. But now we have extracurriculars that kind of pull us away from work. They for- It forces us to take breaks. Yeah. And it start to like, there are extracurriculars that sort of broaden our friend circle too, which has been a helpful kind of pull out of the CrossFit space and also away from working 24 seven, seven days a week. So that's been good. I guess that like relationships outside of the relationships, I would say that's an ongoing project for us mm-hmm. is how do we build and reinforce friendships outside of our, and not our, not shared friendships either. Like you have your friends, I have my friends and we maintain like meaningful relationships with those friends yeah. without it being an Alex and Mary. And I will say like the thing that really complicates same sex relationships is like, when your friends are like, obviously we have more girlfriends than boyfriends. <laughs> <laughs> not obviously, but yeah. Yeah. And so there can be, so it's not like in a heterosexual relationship where maybe, you know, the woman would go out with her woman friends for, you know, a wine or a coffee date or shopping or whatever you want to do. And then the guy, you know, goes over and watches football or helps his buddy with like a house project or goes and gets their nails done. I don't know, whatever men do. I don't know what men do. There's not that that cut and dry separation of like, hey, my friends look like this. Your friends look like this. We're both going to do our thing. There can be a lot of, and tends to be a lot of overlap with friend circles, with same-sex relationships. Part of it on top of that is we have the same interests. Yeah. And sometimes your friends are also in the queer community. So, you know, it's just this kind of like <laughs> friend soup. And there's a lot of... <laughs> There's, but you don't have any, anyone that are common that you don't have someone who feels like they're truly yours. Yeah. And just for you, that is an area of focus. But I do think it's really important to build, you don't have to have like, I've never been someone that has like a large friend circle. I have in, at any given time, generally when I'm not in a relationship had maybe one or two people who I'm like, I would consider friends or like close with. And then like, you know, childhood friends that I just keep in touch with. But yeah, I guess for me, it's, it's staying in touch with old friends, doing a better job, contacting and staying in touch with my family and then making time. Like that's the hardest thing is like carving out time in your routine that isn't there right now to like go do something with someone who isn't you. Mm -hmm. It's really hard to make friends as an adult. It's extra hard when you're, yeah, I honestly, I think in a, same-sex couple, you're making your own friends is not easy. No. Not at all. It's kind of like, hey, I'm going to go for a walk with this person. Okay. And I think that's getting easier. I think before it was like, I'll come. Yeah. And you need you need to also be disciplined in like not doing that. Because mm-hmm. it's easy to just be like, okay, I'll go. Or it's easy to be like, do you want to come? When really it would be better if you just went by yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And then you have so much to talk about because then you can just relive the entire conversation when you're telling it to the other exactly. person. Exactly. That's exactly right. <laughs> like when we get our hair, well, what'd you talk about? You well, what talk else about did you talk him? about? Did you talk about me? <laughs> what did you, what did you say about me? Does Sonia, oh, Sonia thinks my hair is cool. <laughs> the, have you ever experienced jealousy with friends, my friends or family? And then how do you feel now? Maybe compared to how you used to feel. I think we've dealt with a few issues around being jealous or concerned of uh-huh. with other relationship, but nothing that's been so bad that like nothing extreme, but yeah. I think there's, con- there's always like, Hey, what are you doing? What's this relationship there? I think both of us are a little bit possessive and can be jealous, but not like so much so that it's like 
constantly questioning the other person in every relationship that they're in or that they have. But I would say I'm pretty possessive of you. And I think, again, it is difficult in a same-sex couple because it's like if you're in a heterosexual relationship and I'm a girl and I'm dating a guy and they have like a bunch of guy friends, I'm like, cool, like no concern there. But it's like if they're like texting a girl a lot or like even like let's say you're, you know, you start texting a client a lot and it's like they're like it's a guy and they're they're texting a, a female that they work with or a client like a lot. You're kind of like, holy moly, what's going on here? Not cool. Yeah. Whereas like with us, it's kind of like you have all of these friendships that, like you said, are mainly female, but you also like are attracted to females. So it's kind of like there's like a little it's a little bit more difficult. So it's like a close friendship could feel threatening to the other person in the couple. So it's like really having an understanding of like, okay, what is this relationship? Like Mm -hmm. there has to be communication. Like you guys are texting a lot. Is this friendship or is like, who's this other person? Like what are her feelings? Like where are we at here? What do you guys talk about? Like as much as I don't, I'm not like a helicopter. I'm not like a super jealous person. There's definitely been in our relationship. Like what's that? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for sure. What about you? I would say the only time I felt jealousy in our relationship with you was when you were really into the like slow pitch team. But also those girls like idolized you like they were thirst for (laughs) Alex Parker. You didn't have anything to worry about. (laughs) That was it. And also it's it's just that was like pretty early on in our relationship where it's like, do I need to be like someone going to come after you? Like you dated all of Calgary. Like, I don't know. Did you? I had I had. done at all like there was no one left here yeah so you, had to so bring you didn't have to meat. worry yeah no but you I, wouldn't say like ever like with friends you're kind of like there's like okay that's a friend right I think like it's normal to have that feeling just here and there but also I'm pretty good at looking objectively at the evidence and being like yep okay this checks out or this doesn't check out mm-hmm. it usually checks out I would, my jealousy is most often like if you're if you're talking about like you know going and doing something specifically outside like, is she going to have more fun than I, I'm going to Yeah, have? that's a problem, like FOMO. Yeah, that's not, I wouldn't say like necessarily jealousy over friends. It's more like jealousy over the activity that you might be doing with friends. Like if yeah, you were like, it's like, it's like, there's not jealousy. It's more possessiveness. It's more like, I guess I, I took that question as like, do you ever have thoughts or feelings like, oh, I'm worried about a relationship and like, I'm jealous of that or I, yeah. I am possessive of her. Yeah. No, I don't have that feeling. Hmm. But again, secure. But I feel like you have had it. I have. But it's not like a current, it's not like a current thing or even a a very recent thing. Yeah, but I also behave. Okay. (laughs) 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 Oh my God. Okay. I guess, what is your biggest frustration with me? (laughs) What is your pet peeve? Let's just go there. Let's go there. Honestly, I think it's just, you are so out of it. like the the ADHD thing you just don't know what's going on (laughs) like there's always something like you do something but there's it's always unfinished you almost finished it like you just you have piles a lot of the time like (laughs) just piles it's just like out of a general just yeah not as like particular during okay so during my ADHD (laughs) assessment one of the questions he asked was like describe your like organization like your level of organization and I was like okay I was like, I would say like, I'm, I would give that a poor rating. And then, so he was like, so tell me about that. Like, why, why would you say that? Why would you say you're not organized? And I, I started, I was like, well, 
a lot of times Alex will kind of like stack up my piles of documents and like organize my desk. I think if I didn't have to share an office with her, I would probably like, it would be kind of just papers everywhere. Like I remember that from my old job working in a lab, it was like my desk was just like a tornado had come through. He was like, so do you, do you think that you aren't, is that like lack of organization or would you say that maybe your the way that you organize is just atypical? He's like, is there, do you know where things are usually? And I was like, yeah, I do. He's like, so you don't struggle to find things. And I was like, no, that is for me, it's, it's atypical. It is not like normal. Okay. So it's not disorganized. Although I think you probably are to some degree somewhat disorganized, even with like timing, but it lacks a like classical organized look. It's not tidy. No, you're not a tidy person. Okay. Yeah. You can go. Well, we just, I just wanted to clarify, like I, I, there's a method to the madness <laughs> for sure. You get by. I get by. But I would say that's the biggest frustration. I just feel like, yeah, I'm like, I'm kind of just like picking things up and tidying. Okay. That's fair. But I, you're really good at a lot of things. So I try to remember that. Are you going to ask me? Oh, I didn't think you had any, but if you did. <laughs> With you, do I have any pet peeves? Is that a real question? <laughs> yeah, I have a few. But I guess I would say that your general lack of flexibility, rigidity, and like desperate need to know, quote, what's your plan, end quote, is a bit of a peeve just because it forces me to like think ahead. Not even think ahead, but like I would say that I normally would go through life with a loose plan for the day and be down for whatever came up and I feel like I don't get to do that anymore which is not necessarily a bad thing I probably get a lot more done but it's hard it's like hard yeah tough life Mm -hmm. but look at how productive you are yeah so who does what around the house if you had it like what are your top three chores and then okay besides cooking yeah I'm going to say and this is super stereotypical but it's just the best way to explain it like 70s 80s housewife like (laughs) I'm that person I'm like the person that cleans I'm the person that the laundry makes appointments like I'm kind of that person like I made an appointment I know you did did you're more of like you take the typical like male stuff so like cars replacing light bulbs home repair home repair stuff homesteading yeah yeah like you do that you you're the one who does the the backyard yeah you do I do a lot of the grocery shopping I don't do a lot of cooking Yeah. Like besides cooking, but the other stuff I would say like typical kind of like I take care of the house Yeah. daily. I take care of the structure. Mm-hmm. Finances are, are split. We, yeah, we don't do a joint account or anything. Someone asked that question. Like it was an interesting question, but yeah, joint account or no, we don't have a joint account. We have split accounts. Yeah. We definitely sort of involve each other in financial planning. Yeah. I think we have sure. like joint meetings with our guy. And then work from home life. Someone asked how it was working from home with you. Sometimes I'm like, Jesus, we have got to get out of our pajamas today, which I think now that we have to walk the dog happens a lot more. Yeah. The the dog has helped us get outside each morning now for like an hour almost. Yep. That's been huge. Yep. Big time. And then I think just like having more opportunities to socialize on the weekend, like more friends in Fernie, more skiing, more yeah. activities, like has kind of helped make work from home life be like less home. Yeah. 100%. And we have different areas in the house. So like we don't, we try not to work in areas that are areas for watching TV and relaxing at the end of the day. That's kind of like 
a special place for us, not really a workplace. Like it happens, it happens sometimes, but like most work happens near or in the office. And then the other stuff happens in the other areas of the house, like the upstairs TV area, like laptops are never in the bed. Never. Like maybe phones once in a while, but even that, like not so much. We're pretty much wrapped up by then. Yeah. I love working from home. Like it's so convenient. Yeah. I've never struggled. I've never needed to like, even in school, like I don't need to be that person that needs to go to the library to study. I can study perfectly well at home. I think it also, I think some people though, like in their defense, I think some people's social circle might exist at work to some extent. So Mm -hmm. it's like, if you do get a lot of your social interaction at work, it would be really hard to work from home. Or if you're, you work in an industry where like, it's just not that conducive to be at home if it's easier to just like pop into someone's office and that kind of thing. But it might, might be harder. It might've been harder for me to work from home if I were by myself. Yeah. But having you having like Ivy and brew, like it, it adds some like entertainment kind of built in breaks, that sort of thing. Yeah, totally. Someone asked about kids. If we had thought about kids or haven't even thought about it. How old are you? (laughs) Getting getting to be awfully crusty. (laughs) I think my eggs are shriveling up and dying. If you haven't watched the Chelsea Handler Netflix special, watch that and then ask that question again. I don't know. I have never longed for children. We went back and forth on it for a bit there. I think a lot of that. And then I think we tabled it. Yeah, it was a lot of the like, we should, we should, we should. And it's like, you think about the positives, but also I'm like juxtaposing the positives with the fact that I'm like, I don't really see how this fits in our life. Yeah, it's definitely not like a thing that we're actively pursuing to any degree right now. I am of the opinion that if you are not sure, then the answer should be no, like until you're sure. Yeah, I think it's a little different for us too, because it has to be a very conscious decision. Like it's not like, oops, or oh, we'll see what happens. It's like you need to start the process and it needs to be very intentional. Yeah. And it's hard. And it's And a lot of decisions need to be made. So it's like, that definitely adds an element. Like I had, had it not been for that, like it's possible, you know, back when we were like probably like three or four years ago, we, when we were discussing it kind of being like, okay, well like we're going to be together now. So what's next? It could have happened. Yeah, for sure. But uh, it didn't because it's like, okay, we have to actually think about this. Also back then, like we didn't really have the money to do it. Yeah. So there's definitely some like different barriers that we have to consider which makes the decision a little bit different. I mean, I just talked about all of my problems. So yeah, it's like, I'm not, <laughs> people are probably really, like, Phew, thank goodness. She is not in a place to be a parent. I, uh, <laughs> I don't, yeah. I don't know that we are necessarily there. <laughs> I'm not confident. I'm not just going to like screw a kid up. Like, well, I don't is this wanna... like Chelsea Handler's like, I have adopted eight dogs. And everybody's like, yeah, that's amazing. And everyone's like, yeah. I returned five. <laughs> You can't do that to kids. No. So it's like, you better be damn sure. I lean into the the theory that there's an evolutionary prerogative to homosexuality. And that is that it means that there are more people to help raise the children in the village. It's called like the gay uncle theory. So I'm like, maybe that's it. Maybe it's yeah. it's actually our... We, are, we have been great helpers maybe of it's all of the people who've needed our help. Duty to not have kids. We come in and we are a extra set of helping hands. I'm sure if my sister makes it to this point in the podcast, she will be laughing out loud at that. <laughs> it's like my friends have kids and I'm like, have a good life. Yeah, see you never. 
<laughs> and that's actually, that's not even me. That's no. them. That's on them. I know. That's you did that. You're, you did that. You're dead to me. <laughs> no, I've only, I've changed like three diapers so far. And my like aunt and they haven't even been poopy diapers. <laughs> and I am not upset about that. If I'd never have to do a poopy diaper, that will be a I remember when you went to go visit your sister after she had her first baby. She was like, Alex, the poop is mustard color. Oh my God. And it like, <laughs> if you don't get the ruffles out on the diaper, it just come, it's like all over the baby. It's like, this is a shit covered baby now. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I'm not in a good place for that right now. It's not the right, not the right time. May never be the right time. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. A dog and a cat's hard enough. A dog is. Ivy's a princess. She requires no effort. Yeah. She only enhances our life. Rue, on the other hand, is a lot of work. Yeah. She's but, good though. In I, closing, do you have any final words for this part two? How long do I have to decide whether I actually want to air these podcasts? Oh, it's decided. <laughs> We've the sunk cost is too high. This is two hours. I just of work. I'm a human. Oh, I know. And it's like the people who don't talk about this stuff, it's not that they don't have it going on. They just they're not talking about it. There might be someone out there that's like, oh, actually, none of this resonates. Good for you. Good for you. You have it. My mom did say the other day, she's like, I think there are people out there who like live like these perfect, have these perfect relationships and they never fight. But I don't think there are very many of them. I don't think they, they are there at all. I think if people aren't fighting, then they just aren't spending very much time together. Agreed. Yeah. I think that if, if that is the case, then that is probably a correlation as well. For sure. Yeah. Well, little doggies, <laughs> we've come to the end of part two of our Valentine's Day podcast. If that didn't inspire love and feelings of <laughs> compassion and warmth, gosh darn it, I don't know what will. There's nothing that makes me feel warm and fuzzy quite like realism and upfront and open and honest discussion about difficult aspects of relationships. Yeah, but I truly, truly feel like I opened up and spilled my guts out to you guys. Yeah. And not you guys in this apartment, this room, not you, Ivy, not Rue, not you, Meredith. You have all seen the worst of me many times, but now the listeners know. Yeah. If you made it through part two and part one, send us a black heart, <laughs> a black heart emoji, because that's the official emoji of this episode. Thank you for listening. Once again, we love and appreciate you. And Hope that you had a happy Valentine's Day or Galentine's Day or whatever you did to celebrate or not celebrate. Hope it was awesome. We will talk to you next time. <laughs>